0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Abundant Grace podcast. Today we are going to talk about guilt. And this is a really big subject. The more that I look into it, research it, you know, try to distinguish the difference between guilt and shame and false guilt and real guilt, all these things, it just seems like this big thing that actually all of us really struggle with. I'm reminded of a conversation that I had during the Victorious Christian Conference back in December with Dr. Daniel Lancaster, and he talks about Fear is a Liar and Shame is a Liar, two titles of different books that he's written. You can check those out. But he talks about shame as being part of our social construct, which once I really thought about it, it was kind of obvious. But at first, I was surprised how prevalent it really is that shame and guilt are like built in to how we do our life, how we're motivated. Because guilt is such a big topic, I have created a couple of different resources that you can grab, videos and workbooks. I'll explain that a little bit more at the end. But for today, I want to talk about guilt as a motivator. Because guilt actually can motivate us. We see this in our society, especially in ads and things, shame and guilt like motivating us, calling us into using certain products, like in marketing healthy living, you'll see a lot of shame and guilt around like the shape of your body, how you're feeling, um, how you look. It's just one example where Guilt is used to, like, motivate us to do a certain thing. But one way that I think a lot of us have, have experienced this inside the church is from whoever's preaching or teaching. And it could be intentional. I hope that it's unintentional more often than not. Where we feel this big burden to go do more, serve, in a bigger capacity, and we're guilted into it. You might hear things like, "You know, we need more volunteers for this program or this project. And you're thinking, well, if I don't do it, who else will? And this might even be the wording that's used. Like, if you don't do it, who's going to? We really need somebody to fill this spot. And you don't necessarily do it because you feel called to it, like we should do it because God is calling us to it but we feel compelled to do it than God telling us to do it because there's someone who we've given authority in our lives telling us that this is how we should do it this is when we should do it how we can be involved and putting that kind of a burden on us like I said can be an unintentional too um something else you might hear why would you do that or what made you do that why did you make that choice what's wrong with you these kind of guilt messages, whether we get them from outside sources or from ourselves, our enemy, the devil is the accuser. He's the one that wants to keep us living under this burden and not living in freedom. So as far as leadership, trying to motivate you with guilt, like guilt trips, I have felt at times like They had good intentions in that they wanted you to be serving, maybe for their furtherance of their ministry, or maybe because they wanted you to experience the benefits of walking closely to God and serving and being able to partner with God really on what he's doing and using you. So their motive isn't bad but their means, like guilt trips, laying it on kind of heavy, is not good. But the end feels like it justifies the means. Like It's okay that I'm guilt tripping myself or I'm guilt tripping others into doing things a certain way because I, best, I believe that this is best for their life, which is not necessarily the case. That guilt can build up And really cause us harm. It leaves us living under this burden of all the I shoulds and I shouldn'ts. And I won't get into false guilt or real guilt here. Because it's kind of the same result when we're using guilt as a motivator. Whether it's something we should feel remorse over, or something that we should have complete freedom walking in, feeling guilty about either one, and using that as the reason why we're not going to do that, or the reason that we are going to do the opposite, is not productive or healthy. Something that's worth remembering is that Satan is called the accuser of the brethren, and he not only accuses us to God, He also accuses us to ourselves. I've done some research on this, like, as it pertains to like spiritual things and the Bible and how we're ta- relating to God. But right before I hit record, I looked up an article or I, like Googled. I Googled guilt as a motivator. Like who Googles that? But I did. And actually, there was a lot of stuff that came up, and it was really interesting. There has been some research done on human behavior around using guilt to motivate individuals to adopt even healthy habits. In the summary to this article, they give some examples of things that guilt appeals can be an effective tool Four, such as reducing risk, STI testing is a specific example they give there, uh, increasing prevention practices, um, encouraging mammograms is their example, and affecting altruistic health-related behaviors, such as donating blood. In the correct conditions, quote, guilt appeals can induce guilty feelings, lead people to want to right the wrong, generate positive attitudes about the message's advocacy, and intend to engage in a behavior. Isn't that interesting? Like there's like research to back up guilt as a motivation. And in what pulled up when I looked this up, it they're mostly talking about like the how guilt is negative, but we can use it for good. And we'll even see this in a lot of, like I said, marketing. Or like for a current events example the COVID-19 vaccine, they have teams studying the best or the most effective way to inspire people to get the vaccine. And like, it's this whole big thing where will people get it for this reason? If we use this kind of wording in our marketing, will people get it? So it's it's kind of a natural behavior to be motivated by guilt. I think all of that to say, like, don't feel bad that this, this isn't like another guilt trip, kind of a pun, but don't feel bad about you used to be motivated by guilt. I think we all did. And the purpose of this episode is to just help us recognize where we're letting guilt still motivate us to do what, what is good. So the problem with guilt as a motivator is it not only makes you feel stressed by the decisions you're making, it really drains your ability to be making decisions outside of that motivation. When we're used to feeling the, well, what if, what if I don't? We're not actually looking at, am I supposed to be doing this? Am I supposed to be serving in this capacity? And it leads to also feeling like maybe we can't ever measure up. When we're using that really deep low to motivate us to do better and climb higher and try harder, there's almost no hope of actually achieving that goal. So we end up spending a lot of time on woe is me. I can't get this. I won't ever get this right. And our words matter, right? The more we hear that message and say this to ourselves, the more we believe we'll never get this right. So guilt can be an effective motivator, but it's not really healthy in the long run. So we can let it go and we can be a little bit more aware of it in our society and our culture. I think it's super interesting. To study it out. One of the coolest examples I've seen or heard about guilt actually giving us a boost was in J.D. Greer's book, Gospels. He likens Christians to a balloon. So we come to church and maybe we attend a conference, a big camp meeting, or something to boost us up give us the next, get us through the next few months, get us to a spiritual high. What we're counting on is being like hit up, being thrust up and like beat to stay up in the air and just hit. Like, I think you get the idea, but it only lasts for so long. And then we have to come back to church for another verbal thrashing, another you're not enough, do more. Or we can walk with the Holy Spirit and be filled with Jesus and it's like helium that holds us up. His love and grace supporting us rather than needing to come to church to be hit up with this guilt in order to try to more. I hope that example resonates with you because it was kind of mind-blowing the first time I heard it. Another consequence of using guilt as a motivator is it actually leads to a lot of false guilt, a lot of feeling guilty over something that isn't a bad thing or a negative thing, where a different emotion would be better suited to motivate and to inspire us to do better and do differently, guilt kind of comes up short in that it doesn't ever fulfill us. We do things to please other people. We do things to get tasks off our back. The decisions we make from a guilt-free place are more, are actually better decisions. When we're able to look at the bigger picture and say, where did this come from? What can I do about it? And what is the best way that I can proceed? Why am I doing this task? Oh, I'm doing this task because, you know, it brings me joy or it moves me forward towards the person I want to be when I'm 70. Or like I said, it doesn't have to be deep, but why are we doing what we're doing? Is it because we've always done it? Is it because we're feeling bad and this is really interesting when we think about healing our ability to make decisions when guilt has been so prevalent in our life as a driving force without the guilt it can be hard to relearn how to make decisions without this heaviness to it without this drive to decide what is right what is the only right way or what is wrong here? And very few situations are actually that black and white. So there's a lot of opportunity available for us to make these choices. But that also means that there will be a lot of work to be done in digging through why we're doing what we're doing, how to make decisions, which way do I choose if I rule out the fear of screwing it up. And this is This ties into how guilt damages our conscience because it's teaching us things are bad that are not and teaching us things that we should be doing that maybe we don't have to be doing. So how do we break free from using guilt as a motivator? The first thing we need to do is recognize what is motivating our decisions. Number one, why are you drawn to doing this activity or moving to this place, whatever decision is in front of you, why are you doing it? And two, press into that relationship with the Holy Spirit and let him guide your decisions because he is not condemning. Too often we assume that he is that voice in our head that is oppressive and heavy, but he is not. He wants to guide us into all truth. He wants to guide us into life more abundantly. And then the third thing is letting love motivate us. Always, always, always. Love trumps it all. Which reminds me, I wanted to mention the verse in 1 John, if you love me, keep my commandments. Because this verse can get twisted to kind of manipulate us to obey. Like I was talking about leaders and teachers in our lives kind of twisting things to to motivate us to do what is good. The verse, if you love me, keep my commandments, can sometimes come across like, well, if you loved me, you you would be doing better. Or if you loved me, You would not be doing that. And while the principle is there that if we love him, we will obey a certain way. It's not said in that kind of snarky tone from God. We can focus in on loving him and our actions will fall into place. So we don't have to hyper focus on what our actions are and what we're doing When we are in step with the Holy Spirit and lining ourselves up with our loving Heavenly Father. He loved us so much that he was willing to risk it all for us. He has never turned his back on us. His mercy abounds. It's who he is. So we don't have to be afraid of the hammer falling if we mess up. And this is good news. Because of his love for us, he enables us to love him. And out of that love, the outpouring of our full heart for him and his love for us, out of that we do what we do. And I know that sounds like all wrapped up easily, but this is the struggle of our daily Christian life is to live like we are unconditionally loved, because we are, but to also then, because we're unconditionally loved, we show love to others. So I would really love to help you walk through guilt, overcoming it, whether it is recognizing where false guilt has a hold in your life, where you say, I know God doesn't say it this way, or maybe you don't, and you want to try to determine the two, determine the difference between the two, I would love to help you. I have some checklists and resources. I did a video on this that goes into more depth and more detail on guilt and shame. It's actually part of the Heal Your Relationship with God course, but it's such a powerful tool and resource and information that I wanted to make it available to you. I want to get this in the hands of as many people as I can. So... How do you grab this? You can click the link in the show notes or you can send me a DM on Instagram. I'll probably throw it in the link in my bio so it's easily for you to access. Because doing a deep dive on where guilt comes from, being able to break free from the condemnation cycle, and then also being able to acknowledge when we are wrong without feeling like almost being triggered by guilt because we all know that feeling right when somebody comes to you and says I think you're wrong or you spoke wrong here or this isn't right and they call you out on it it does not have to be this pressure of like oh no I am terrible no what you did may have been terrible. I don't know how, I don't know what the situation was. Maybe it was just a small thing, but that does not get to dictate your identity or your worth. So we can break that off and learn how to deal with this and confront it without the heavy burden that is placed on us through this guilt condemnation cycle. So let go of the guilt. I want to help you do that. Grab this resource And I'd love to hear from you how this impacts you and helps you walk forward in more freedom and no condemnation. Thanks for being here, friend. I hope that you have an awesome week and that you can walk forward in the spirit of liberty that has been given to us through Christ into the abundant life that he came to give us. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Abundant Grace Podcast. I would love it if you would share this episode with a friend so that they can hear this encouragement and be empowered in their walk with Jesus as well. It would also mean the world to me if you would leave a rating and review on Apple for the Abundant Grace podcast. It really does make a world of difference in getting this podcast into other people's ears so they can be equipped in their relationship with God as well. always, I would love to hear your thoughts on this week's episode. You can find me hanging out on Instagram, emily.abundantgrace, or you can send me an email, hello at emilyklewis.com. That's emily, the letter K-L-O-U-I-S.com. And until next week, remember that God's grace abounds and won't ever run out.